I'm from kindergarten through sixth grade, would be dismissed for Children's Church. And so as the children go, we bless them and um, look forward to what the Lord would have to say. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 27. Please follow along as I would read it aloud. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. May the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his written word. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of God's word. In your bulletins, there are sermon notes with some extra notes that you can take that will be up on the screen. But today we finish uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We've been talking about kingdom counterculture as we see what it's like in the kingdom of God, what Jesus says life looks like and how to live under his rule and reign. And so this morning we want to talk about uh, three things, three dangers to watch out as we would conclude uh, this series on the Sermon on the Mount. Very few words or phrases in the English language get our attention like those two words, watch out, especially when it's said with urgency and with volume, watch out gets our attention. Things like, watch out, there's a bee on your shoulder, or watch out, there's a storm that's coming your way, or watch out, there's a deer in the middle of the road as you're driving. Or at a baseball game, watch out, there's a foul ball coming towards your head. Or in the midst of a home improvement project, watch out, there's a two by four flying down from the roof above. Over and over, when you hear the words, watch out, it has a way of getting your attention and getting your attention quickly. And so Jesus concludes his Sermon on the Mount with what it looks like to watch out. He gives us a relationship outwardly to watch out for, and he gives us two things to watch out, two dangers to watch out for in our relationship to him. But in each of these areas, sometimes watch out can be a negative. 
and we need to see the negative, but we also want to have a positive action to take. So in the midst of the, the watch out for this, what is the positive command that Jesus is giving to us to put into practice so that we might lead a life as his children, as his followers, that bring blessing and life? So this morning, we want to look at three dangers to watch out for. The first danger is to watch out for false prophets. Watch out for false prophets. With this danger to watch out for, this command to watch out for prophets, false prophets, there is this very real reality that there are true and there are false prophets. In order for there to be false, there have to be true prophets. True prophets, as we see throughout the Old Testament, as you see in the New Testament, true prophets are those who stand in the presence of God, who listen to the word of the Lord. And then as they hear it, they go to the people that they are sent to and they tell the people the word of the Lord, no matter what the cost is to them. In doing so, they bring glory to the Lord. The attention is to themselves, or not to themselves, but to God. False prophets, on the other hand, do the very opposite. False prophets are those who do not listen to God. Oftentimes, the scriptures tell us they are those who, who listen to their own ideas. They tell the people what they want to hear. Oftentimes, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Oftentimes, God won't punish you for your sin or your wrong. Oftentimes, this trouble is just going to be over in a very short time rather than telling them why the trouble is there and how to turn back to the Lord in the midst of their trouble. False prophets often speak for their own gain, for their own reputation, for their own benefit, for their own glory. So Jesus talks about this reality that there are false prophets in the midst of the true prophets of God. There are false prophets that deliver words to the people. And so how do we understand, how do we figure out who these false prophets are? Jesus gives us two tests to be able to see who these are. The first is to test the identity. In this midst of verse 15, watch out for the false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves were the predators of the sheep. In Jesus' day, they were very, the people were very familiar. There were shepherds, there were sheep, but the greatest threat to a flock of sheep and to the shepherd who was caring for them, the greatest predator, the greatest threat was a wolf. And these wolves would come in and they would scatter the sheep. And as they would scatter the sheep, they were then able to come and to devour and to attack one by one as the sheep, instead of being together and a shepherd protecting them, the wolf would come in and would divide and would scatter and then devour the sheep. The sheep had a terrible enemy, the wolf. And Jesus, using the idea all throughout the scriptures of how we are the people of God, the sheep of his pasture, we are the flock under his care, 
says that in the same way that sheep have wolves that come after them, that there are these false prophets who are like wolves, but they are in sheep's clothing. They disguise themselves. They come in amongst the people of God looking like the people of God outwardly, talking, using the vernacular, using all of the the right phrases, all the right ideas to be able to make everyone think, I'm one of you. But meanwhile, they are a wolf in sheep's clothing. They are coming to devour. They are coming to divide. They are coming to scatter. They are coming for their own benefit. They are coming not for the glory of God. They are coming for the glory of self. And whereas good shepherds care for and feed and protect the flock, they come. They come to do damage, to divide, to scatter, to cause controversy. They cause trouble. Jesus says, watch out. There are these. And so we need to be people who test the identity of the prophets, the the teachers, those who are caring for the flock of God. The second test, test the identity, see if it's, a wolf or sheep, but then test the fruit. Verses 16 to 20, Jesus again goes on and says, by their fruit you will recognize them. How do you recognize who are the, the wolves in sheep clothing? It's by their fruit. And he uses this illustration of the tree and the fruit, that bad trees produce bad fruit, and good trees produce good fruit. The character and the quality of the tree is seen in the fruit. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree, bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit, Jesus says. While a wolf may be able to conceal his identity in the sheep's clothing, a tree with its briars and thorns will quickly give up its identity And will quickly show what it produces in the fruit that comes from it. And so Jesus says to test the fruit from the prophet's life. To see if it is good or bad. Trees that are bad are good for nothing, Jesus says, but to be cut down and thrown in the fire. But good trees produce good fruit that will last. Good fruit... John Stott talks about in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, good fruit will be seen in three ways. So look for this. What does good fruit look like from a sheep or a good prophet? A good fruit consists of three things. The first, good fruit is found in sound doctrine. And so we test to see, is the fruit of what this person is teaching, is it doctrinally sound? Is it according to orthodox belief? Ultimately, though, is it in line with the scriptures? I often think of Paul as he went to the city of Berea, and the Bereans were those who looked diligently in the scriptures regularly to see if what Paul was telling them was true. And so the people of God looking after to see and watching for false prophets need to test the doctrine that is being talked about. 
to be able to see, is it doctrinally sound? Is it according to the scriptures? Is it rooted in the scriptures? Stott says, secondly, good fruit consists in godly or Christ-like character. Godly or Christ-like character. What is the character of the person? Do they bring life and blessing or do they bring destruction and division? Do the fruit of the Spirit come out of them? Love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are they evident in the person's life? Is the Spirit of God actively at work, seen in their life? Is, do people see Jesus, the character, godly and Christ-like? And the third that Stott says for what good fruit looks like is the influence. Is there kingdom influence that comes from that person's life? Do you see the kingdom moving forward in the lives of people around them? Are people being drawn deeper to Jesus? Is kingdom influence happening in the lives of the people that they are ministering to? Good fruit consists of sound doctrine, godly Christ-like character, and kingdom influence in the lives of others. Jesus says, watch out for these false prophets. Test the identity to see, are they a wolf in sheep's clothing? What is the fruit that is coming from their lives? Friends, all of these tests require up-close, in-person examination. You may look at a tree a long way away, and you may think, ah, oh, that's probably an apple tree. But it requires traveling to that tree. It requires getting close to the tree. It requires inspecting that tree. It requires getting close to see the kind of fruit, because from a long way away, how do you know if it's a peach or an apple? You have to be close. The same way for a Sheep in wolf's clothing. You have to be close. Up close, personal examination is needed for these tests. Why do I say this? With the advent of the internet, you are completely open to all of these things that people will talk about of constantly testing prophets. Prophets that those who are testing them do not have proximity to or relationship with. So much time can be spent on what is that person that I don't have any proximity to? What are they doing? Jesus, in this testing, is asking us to say, who are the people in our church, in our family, in our close in their influence of my life close by who are the people that have the close proximity to and how can I test to see what their influence is in my life be careful not to get swallowed up into looking far and wide look what is the influence of those who are having influence in my life in my church in my family what are they doing test to see when I was in seminary, I've shared at different times about working in a movie theater. And as I worked in the movie theater, we were given the instruction to always make sure that we were looking 
for the counterfeit bills. Now, they didn't care so much about the fives or the tens, sometimes even the 20s. What they were concerned about most were the 50s and the 100s, the, the big bills that would often come through. And the bigger the bills, the more security measures are in it, the more things to be able to be looking for and watching for. They didn't train us in all the different ways that counterfeit bills would be able to be produced. They trained us in one thing. What do you look for to make sure that what you have in front of you is the real thing? Because when you see and you know and you have been able to discern what the real thing is, when a counterfeit comes into your hands, it stands out because it's not like the real thing. So often, our temptation is to look for all the things that may be wrong. But friends, the greatest thing that we can do is spend our time focusing on the real, the true, the genuine. Get focused on the scriptures. Get focused on who Jesus is. What does a godly prophet look like? Because when you are confronted then with doctrine that is false, you will be able to hear and go, that doesn't sound right. I know what's real. I know what's true. When you see a person and you know what a, a godly, what godly character looks like, you know what the character of Jesus looks like. When you see that person come in, that person doesn't look like Jesus. There's something that's off about them. Why? Because I know what the real thing looks like. When you begin to look for influence, what does kingdom influence look like? So that when we see influence for the kingdom that, or influence for something that's not, it stands out. In the midst of watching out for the false prophets, we need to be people who spend our time focusing on the real thing. Instead of looking for all the wrongs all around us, focus on the real thing. And when we are confronted with the wrong it's going to stand out. Focus on the real thing, Jesus. Focus on doctrine yourself that is grounded in the scriptures and focus on kingdom impact and the other things when confronted will stand out strongly. Watch out for the false prophets. Test the identity, test the fruit, but focus on the real thing. Second danger to watch for is to watch out for false confessions. Watch out for false confessions. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform any miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Confessions and actions don't guarantee salvation. Jesus says that not everyone who says to him or confesses him as Lord, Lord, twice, twice he says, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who confesses him as Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Certainly confession of Jesus as Lord is 
needed. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart, you believe and are justified, and with your mouth, you confess and you are saved. Confession is needed. We must confess. Last two weeks when we've had baptisms, part of it, is Jesus your Savior and Lord? That confession of yes is needed. We must confess. We must believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord of all. He's the rightful king. He's the rightful master. He's the rightful ruler of all things. Jesus is Lord. But confession alone, Jesus says, does not guarantee salvation. Similarly, not even those who do good works And these are significant works that he gives, right? Prophesying, casting demons out of people, performing miracles in the name of Jesus. These things don't guarantee heaven. Certainly works are a necessary component to be able to, to have salvation. Harry, a couple weeks ago, spoke to us about faith and works and did a wonderful job sharing that with us. To be able to see that faith in our confessions and belief and the works that we do, these are necessary components of salvation. But neither of these alone or even combined, according to what Jesus is saying here, guarantee salvation, guaranteeing us entering the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, in fact, says that you can do all of these things and not, hear this, not be known by Jesus. To the point where he says, away from me, you evil doer. I never knew you. So what does? What does guarantee us being brought? If confession and works do not, doing God's will, what Jesus as Lord does. Do you see what he says in verse 21? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Doing the will of God. But wait. Aren't works mentioned as the will of God? Right? They are. Aren't, isn't declaring Jesus as Lord, isn't that the will of God? Yes. So how can you do the works and how can you have the confession but not do the will of God? I believe it comes down to this. It's the concept of Jesus as Lord that is in view here. 
Jesus declares himself. The scriptures declare him as Lord, as King, as Master. And in the context of Lord and King and Master, that person sets the agenda. The servants then live in relationship to the king, to the Lord, to the master, by doing his will. A person can live, a person can do all of those works, but not live in relationship to God. You can go off and confess over here and do works over here, but not live under the kingship of Jesus. Therefore, there is no relationship with him. Think about it this way. Imagine I just show up one day in a kitchen of Chick-fil-A. All right? Just show up. I never had a job interview. I was never hired. I was never trained. I just show up. I start making chicken sandwiches. I stop, start making those amazing waffle fries, those wonderful milkshakes, and I take them. I take a bunch of them. I make them on my own, and I take them downtown, and I start to advertise, everyone, come on to me. I have free chicken, free waffle fries, free milkshakes from Chick-fil-A. People are flocking. Before I know it, everything that I've made, those sandwiches, those fries, those milkshakes, they're gone. It's been such a success, I go back the next day. I go into the kitchen, I make more chicken sandwiches, more waffle fries, more milkshakes, take them down. And I do this for several days. And word is spreading. People are coming. They're expecting me to come because I am giving it and I'm giving it all in the name of Chick-fil-A. I'm doing a good work. I'm doing a good thing. I'm feeding people for free in the name of. Then one day, the operator of Chick-fil-A finds out about what's going on, and he meets me there. And he says, who are you? Ah, Mark, I didn't hire you. I haven't trained you. You don't have the shirt or the hat or anything. I don't know you. Did I do a lot of good works? Did I do it in the name of Chick-fil-A? But was I known? Did the operator say, I want to hire you and I want to train you and I want to give you this job of making chicken sandwiches and waffle fries and milkshakes and I want you to go and I want you to do it and give it away in the name of Chick-fil-A. It's kind of a silly illustration. But I'd be in some serious trouble if I didn't that, did that, wouldn't I? <laughs> Friends, this is what Jesus is talking about. We can go do things in the name of Jesus. We can confess Jesus is Lord. We can declare it from the rooftops. Jesus is Lord! We can go do works in the name of Jesus. But if we have not surrendered ourselves to the kingship, the lordship, the mastership of Jesus and come under him so that he is the one who sets our agenda, so that he is the one that we are living under, 
all of these things are for naught. Watch out for the false confessions because they don't and the actions don't guarantee salvation. Instead, surrender daily to Jesus as your Lord. You know, oftentimes we miss this piece of the gospel. We're really good at saying all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're really good at saying Jesus died in your place on the cross. We're really good at saying you need to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. You need to be born again. We're really good at that part of the gospel, but you know where we're not always as good at? Salvation comes as we submit to a king. As we receive the kingly sacrifice, as we receive the kingly rule of Jesus over our lives. We can be forgiven and then run off and just do our own thing. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is we have been forgiven to come under a rule and reign of a king who then sets the agenda and who then tells us, this is what I want you to do. That our confession of Jesus as Lord is not just a statement. He's the ruler of everything. He's the master of everything. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. It's not just a factual statement that we agree to. It is a statement of saying, Jesus is Lord. There is no other. And I surrender to him as my Lord Every single day, I no longer am am in charge. Jesus is. Surrendering to Jesus daily as our Lord so that we do the will of him. Third and final danger to watch out for is to watch out for false foundations because we may ask the question if we are to do the will of him, if we do the will of the Father in heaven, what is the will of the Father? How do we know the will of the Father then? The teachings of Jesus give us God's will to do. Jesus says in verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words or these teachings of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Hearing the words of Jesus, hearing his teachings, help us to know what the will of God is to do. The entirety of the Sermon on the Mount as well as the parables and the other teachings of Jesus as well as the entirety of Scripture help us to know the will of God to do. And so we understand more and more the will of God as we come under Jesus as our King. Jesus goes on to describe what it looks like when we 
understand and when we put into practice these teachings of God's will. The wise then build their house on the rock. I think it's impossible if you grew up in church in any way not to read this passage and not have the song, the wise man build his house upon the rock. The wise man build his house upon the rock. The wise man build his house upon the rock. And the house on the rock stood firm. I'm skipping some parts. The rain came down, the floods came up. The rains came down, the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up, but the house on the rock stood firm. Jesus says that the wise who come under the lordship of Jesus build their lives on him. They're like a man who built his house on a rock, and when the storms came, his life, his house, stood strong. But the foolish, the false prophets, those who do all of these things but don't come under the lordship of Jesus, the foolish do not build their lives on Jesus' teaching. And so when they build their lives, they build their lives on sandy foundations. And when the rains came down and the floods came up and the winds blow against that house, it crashes down. When Jesus is our Lord, we build our lives on him and on his teachings. Watch out for the false prophets. Those wolves in sheep's clothing whose fruit is not good. Watch out for the false confessions just saying Jesus is Lord, just doing works in his name, but not coming under his lordship, doing his will, building our lives on the foundation of his teachings, on the foundation of his words. Watch out. Watch out. The worship team is going to come to lead us in a closing song this morning. Before they do, I would ask us just to take a few minutes to wrestle with this question. Jesus, are you my Lord? Are you my King? Are you my Master? We can say and make the confessions. We can do the works in his name. But Jesus, are you my king? What would he say? Would he say, I know you? Were the, would those declarations that we made this morning, would he said, yes, those are true of you? Or would he say, I never knew you? I don't know you. You're off doing your own thing. You're off living with someone else in control. Or am I your Lord? So Jesus, we 
humbly come before you. And simply ask that question, Jesus, are you Lord? Are you king? Are you master over us? What do you say? In these moments, we often talk about Jesus as a good king, and sometimes we don't see him as a good king. We see him as a frustrated or upset or condemning king. But he's a good king who no matter where we stand with him says, come, come under my rule. I'm a good king who has given forgiveness. I'm a good king who has come to serve, not to be served. I'm a good king who has come to provide. I'm a good king who has good works in store. I'm not like all the other rulers, I'm good. And so even in these moments, Jesus, we come before you as king and we humble ourselves before you. And we desire our confession to be you are Lord. Not just a fact, but you are my Lord. I willingly come under your rule and reign. I willingly come under your provision. I willingly come under your direction. I willingly surrender. Father, in these moments, may it be our declaration that we have decided to follow Jesus as our Lord, our King, our Master. So that all those that are not true prophets, that they'll stand out because we've seen the good one. We've seen the right one. We've seen the true one. The one who is prophet, priest, and King, Jesus. The one we're building our lives on. whose words give eternal life, whose words give a strong and true foundation upon which we will not be shaken. So Jesus, hear our declaration, hear our cry this morning, even in the midst of our imperfections that we desire to follow, that we are deciding, we have decided to follow Jesus as our King, our Lord, our Master.
receive these now. Jesus, we pray.